Hello and welcome to our first ever socially distant Darlow Fans Radio podcast. We've got a great episode ahead for you. We're joined uh, by uh, Darlington Chairman and Chief Executive Officer David Johnson. We've got a time for a chat with Dave Mills, a community and operations consultant for the football club. And also we're joined uh, on the podcast this evening by Alan Armstrong as well to cover all things Darlington. Uh, we've also got our usual scattering of special guests as well. So welcome, we're glad uh, to have you along on another Darlow Fans Radio podcast and uh, delighted to say that we're joined by a very special guest this evening. We've got Alan Armstrong with us. Uh, afternoon or evening, should I say. Alan, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Hello everyone, hope you're all well. Had a good Easter, but uh, I don't know how everyone's coping with this lockdown. It's uh, pretty tough. I know. Well, let's start there. How's, how's your lockdown been? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's quite difficult. To be honest, because you obviously everyone knows with all the kids I've got, I've got seven of them living at home, two of them aren't at home at the minute. But um, you just try to find things for them to do, and it's just really difficult. And but the the flip side of it is you're never bored. That's just certainly you're certainly not bored. So plenty of things to do, and I think the bonus is the weather's been been half decent, so we've been able to get in the garden with them. Aye, very good. Are you missing the football? Massively. You don't realise it's. Like it's just that routine you get in, and like I've, I've spoke to all the lads, I spoke to all of them again this week, and they just keep asking when we're back, when we're back, and we, no one knows, no one has a clue what's going on. So it's difficult times, but as I said to them, the, the main thing is that everyone's safe and healthy, and that's that's all we can hope. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the lads, I'll just introduce who else we've got on for the listeners at home. We've got a good turnout tonight. We've got Michael Cansfield, Kev Luff, Craig Stoddart, Mike Price, and myself, Stuart Armstrong. And it looks to me like the first question here for you, Alan, is going to come from Mike Cansfield. Mike. Right. Well, I'm just, <laughs> just thinking about that, that you, the homeschooling. You must actually be able to recreate an entire classroom off where, where you're at, uh, Alan. <laughs> Well, it's more it's more the wife than me, to put it honest. Uh, it's not really my kind of thing. But we we do things, and it's it's hard. Do you know? What I mean, they they've done the work that they got sent back straight away. But as I see, I've got four of them doing school work. One of them's on the computer upstairs, out the way doing his own work. So it's it's quite difficult. But you've just got to make sure that the older ones are doing theirs, but the younger ones they finish their home their school work within a couple of weeks, and they were done and dusted. So. They'll get the new stuff after the Easter holders, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of stuff that is. Speaking of homework, sorry, Mike, I was just going to say, speaking of homework, Alan, as well, one of the things that made you think about there is how you're managing the players right now, because they presumably got some homework as well. Have they presuming that there's a chance that the season might start again? We don't know. It's all up in the air. But how are you? How have you set that up with the players? Yeah. I... <laughs> Mark, uh, Mark Thistleway, the fitness coach, has been sending them running programs and trying to keep them working. It's all in their hands at the moment. The players, you can't force them to do it. All you can do is ask them. But I've got a good group of players, as, as everyone knows. Uh, they all look after themselves extremely well. They're just chomping at the bit to get back. But you can only do so much running and stuff by yourself and you get bored yourself. It's So it takes a lot of self-discipline to get there. But 
I, I don't think I've got any worries with this group I've got. I think they'll all come back in decent shape, but they're not going to be match ready, that's a certainty, because they haven't played football for such a long time. Alan, when you... Alan, it's Craig from Echo. here, right, mate? Hello, Paul. Uh, you're saying there about the players coming back. I mean, when are they going to come back, though? It's going to be next season, isn't it? You're talking July, August. I, I just don't see this season finishing, do you? I mean, in terms of, you know, game, playing games. Well, you probably know, everyone knows, it's up to a vote at this moment in time. And to be honest, I think looking at it, I cannot see how we're going to play the games. I want to play the games. I want to finish the season because I cannot have the season just finishing as it is and then expect anyone to get promoted, anyone to get relegated. For me, if the season finishes, unfortunately, there's only one way it can go, and that's null and void. You can't be getting promoted or relegated because the season's still got nine, ten games to go. It's just, it's not real. It's No one deserves to go up and no one deserves to go down, unfortunately. But do you not think, well, what points per game? So what, what's your view on that then? Do you think that could be implanted I, at I all? Think it's, I think it's a joke, to be honest. I, I, I never even realised that people would take that seriously. Because you look at the, the last ten games of the season are the most important in any one season. And it may just be me, but the season, the way you build your team up, ready for the running, you don't start fresh and then fall away. You you want to build your squad and build it properly, ready for the running, and that's the main thing. And just because you've had a poor start, like we did, and many other teams, then your average points per game is not great. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's look at the last ten games what I've done at Blythe, we've got twenty six points in ten games. Now, what's it's to say we yeah. kind of get 27 points out of the next nine games? It's You can't just assume that people are going to only get them points. And people say, oh, you desert, you, you're there because hot three quarters of the season's done. Load of rubbish. It's an absolute load of rubbish. The, next, the last quarter of the season is the most important bit. Is that what the is that the same sort of feeling at other clubs? Have you spoken to people involved, you know, managers, coaches elsewhere? Is that, is that what they think as well? I've spoken to a few and it differs. As you could imagine, <laughs> it differs for them, people in, in the high positions, because uh, them, them are probably thinking, we finish it now as it is and we'll get promoted or finish it on points per game because we've got the best points per game. But there's still a long way to go. There's, I see there's still 30, 30 points to play for for some teams. It's a hell of a lot of points. So you kind of just make the results up and say there's your average for the season. Otherwise, it's a waste of time. I'd, I'd probably lose a little bit of faith in football if they'd done that, to be honest with you, because it's not real. I think you just press the reset button, unfortunately, and start again. Yeah, I mean, if, if football was to return, say, well, for argument's sake, tomorrow, we'd have nine games to play in, in the space of, what, a month before the contracts expire? Because players' contract, contracts expire at this level. So the reality is we're not going to play these nine games, are we? we there isn't Literally, there isn't time to play them. You can, you can extend the contracts on a weekly basis, um, and that's not a problem. And I'll be honest, I've spoken to the players because obviously they've been paid during this time off. Yes, everyone's been furloughed at the club, and that's helped, but they're all still getting paid their 100% wages. Not many clubs are doing that. And I've spoken to them, and I've said, look, if we have to play with games later on, in June, possibly, are you all right playing for free as such? Because you've had your wages... Can you just come and play for free for him? Every single one of them said they would do it. So it, it's the legalities of it is the hardest part. As you say, the contracts are up. 
And how do you get around that? But you can extend them on a weekly basis to that point. So it's it's doable, but it's as I say, it's everyone's got their own opinions of it, Craig, and it's and that's the problem. I think it everyone's just self interest. That's it. That's it. Go on, Kathy, you're going to say? Oh, yeah, you, you mentioned, I don't want to put you too much on the spot, Alan, but um, you mentioned, you know, not really knowing what's going on. Do you, do you feel like the communication's been there from the, from the league, from the, from the National League or what happened, or, or not? It's, I, I said it from the off when they first started that the FA probably hung the National League out to dry and left them there, and it doesn't seem to have got any better, does it? Because the, the communication's... We're right at the bottom of the ladder, remember this. We're right at the bottom of this whole pile that's going on where the money at the top end is huge potential that they could lose that money if them games aren't played, which has a massive knock-on effect to the rest of them. So potentially it could be devastating for some football clubs at our level and even the Football League. And I think therefore you've got to probably try and look after them first in the Football League. And just because we're not in there... You do tend to get forgot about. Unfortunately, that's where we are at this level. You, you, you're just at the bottom of the rung of the ladder, unfortunately, and you've got to wait for them. But the communication from the National League, it hasn't been great. I think everyone knows that. But mm-hmm. what communication have them had from the fo- FA and the Football League? No one knows. And that's, you kind of just keep shooting people because of the lack of communication. It's just, I think there's got to be coming from one governing body for me. and it, Unfortunately, that's the FA, and it it hasn't been good enough for the the lower league teams at this moment in time. Yeah, unprecedented situation as well, isn't it? Which doesn't make it very easy for for anyone. Michael Cantwell, were you going to jump in there? Well, I'm just, for for me, I, I think because of the madness of it all, my my premise would be is that you just uh, finish this season, however, it, when, whenever whenever that might be, and then you you work out how next season works, and then just, because then at least you've got a level playing field from beginning to end, but you just don't know, do you? The, the numbers and the craziness that's going on, football's kind of <laughs> way down the, the list of priorities, isn't it? No, I see, I think that's the main thing, is that like, we've got to remember, and all of this is, the main thing is everyone's safe and well. The last thing you want to do is lose a loved one through this virus, and We've just got to make sure that we keep doing what we're doing, do what the government says and stay indoors and and not risk anything. Is finishing the season or playing these games such a risk? If it's such a risk, you cannot do it. We'll come back to a later date. Like, I have said to the league, I've, I've sent an email to Mike Tatlis all myself, um, explain what, what could be done if if it's possible. But it's probably just benefit me because I hear pre-season games. I said, why can we not play them in June and July? Have a couple of weeks off and then start start the season a little bit later, if we were a little bit clear on where we are with this virus. And I think that would probably be the best case scenario. But again, the contracts come into play and everything. There's so so much behind the scenes that people don't really know about it. Alan, how are you? Just as a sort of taking a step back, bearing in mind, I suppose we can't affect a lot of that bit of the conversation. But where had you got to in terms of how you were kind of feeling about the season anyway, and the progress that had been made, and where you'd got to? What was your kind of assessment of of where we'd got to? I, I think we'd got way ahead of ourselves a little bit, <laughs> to be honest with you. When, the, <laughs> when we went on the run at the Christmas time, we were beating everyone in sight, and and the lads were flying and. I knew we were still shy, but the lad 
I'm, I'm not going to put that out there while the lads were still flying. I knew we were still short of, of one or two players, what we needed. I know what we need to strengthen. And like I said at the start of the season, is a, it's a two-year plan. Is This year, we build the squad. Let's reshape the finances and let's look at what we've got. Get the connection back amongst the fans in the town and get people on side. And we've done that. I think we've, we're probably 90% there on, on getting that back. But it's still little things that have been so disappointing. And it probably typified our season was that last Farsley game. We should have been out of sight. It should have been 5-6-0. And yet there we all end off getting beat 4-2 by four errors again. And it's just little things like that that have bugged us all season. Is where's the, Do we lack a little bit of leadership? Or do we lack that cutting edge up front because we're not putting games out of sight? So it's it's finding that right balance. But at first, I needed to rebuild the squad and get the nucleus of what I have, what I've got. I'll take that in the next season, and a lot will depend on the finances now with this virus. But I would love to get two or three players in. I think everyone knows what kind of player I want and what I need in the squad. It's not rocket science; everyone sees it. And if I can get then two or three players in, then I think we'll be in a really good position next season. Yeah, I mean, certainly when um, in that spell around Christmas and then again, games like Telford and Fars that you mentioned, I mean, you've got to say when, when we're good, we're, we're really pretty good. We're very good, in fact. Uh, it's a consistency, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Some of the football that we've played has been fantastic. Telford was probably the best away performance of the season. Some of the football we played on an absolute bog of a pitch and the sand pit and everything was, was outstanding. The work rate was phenomenal. And the ugly side was there. It had everything. It just had everything you could have wanted. The only di- disappointing thing, again, was we never ran away with it five or six. And I think Gavin Cowan said he, they, we were different class on that day and the best we played and everything. So he was he was really complimentary. When that's what we're capable of. But it still bugs us that we never, like I said, put the game to bed and been comfortable afternoon. It was still pretty nervy. Yeah, I think Mike Price, uh, Mike Price and I did that Farsley game. I don't think Mike's recovered yet from that because it, after he half didn't. an hour it looked like we were going to be six or seven nil up, didn't we? I mean, it yeah, was I, um, good. That was a crazy game, wasn't it? Um, not necessarily in a good way, unfortunately, with the end result. But it was. It, I think at one point I'd, I'd, I'd said like if it got back to was it two one? Were we two one up? I think. And yeah, I said if it got back to two all. I break stuff and. Uh, <laughs> You should have yeah, seen me on that night. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, but no, it's disappointing because, as I say, that game, some of the football we played again was fantastic. We're missing chance after chance. When we went 2-1 up, we should have went 3-1 up, 4-1 up. And, but you look at the goals that we give away, man, it was it was laughable. It was unbelievable at times. I've never seen anything like it. It was literally schoolboy stuff. and it, That shouldn't be happening for the type of players that I've got at that football club. And it was just so disappointing to, if that's how we finish the season, so disappointing that we started with such a bad performance against Farsley and finished with such a bad performance in that second half. So hopefully we'll get things right. And as I say, them three players that I need, I think that'll that'll help us. Alan, Alan, when you mentioned the, them three players, I mean, have you how far have you been planned ahead? Have you spoken to potential players, and you know, have you looked? Are you able to do that? Yeah, I'm speaking to players um, constantly because obviously the out of con- so the ones I'm speaking to out of contract from January, um, and I've been speaking to players. I've had agents trying to get us get players involved and everything. So 
I've got my eye on people, and I've been speaking to people constantly. There's people who want to come who we probably can't afford, unfortunately. So I've got to probably yeah. bide my time on that one. So and what I like about it is people want to come to this club now, like, and they're coming for the right reasons. It's not to pick up the, the money that was getting thrown about, because now they're not going to get that that was thrown about last year and the year before. It's how, how about, give us some give us some names then. Who, who, who are you trying, who are you trying to speak of? <laughs> <laughs> you got no chance of me naming them studs. You got no chance. Come on, no, <laughs> you've, got, you've got a club round the corner. As soon as I name them, they'll be straight onto them. So I've got no chance. <laughs> yeah, you've at least got to let us put this podcast out before they show up in the echo as well. <laughs> You mentioned free play. I mean, that's the sort of numbers we're talking about now, isn't it? Free play. Uh, you look at last summer, we were talking maybe double that, maybe even more. Um, so to, to get to the point where we are now, where you're talking free players to improve the side, that, that does show you the, the progress that we've made, doesn't it? I, th- I think so. Like, obviously, the first 10 games of the season, Kev, you've seen it, and I was as frustrated as anyone. The injuries killed were. We haven't even seen Aki at his best. And listen, speak to the Blythe players and the Blythe fans, what, and even the officials up by what Aki gives you. He's not this fantastic footballer who's going like, to link the player winning games, but his understanding reading of the game is, is phenomenal. So he's a massive miss. Trotz, obviously, I was expecting big things from Trotz this year, and to lose him on the first home game of the season was massive. And then Jamie Holmes, who everyone's seen him in pre-season, how good he was. And that we just never got anything from him because of the injuries. So we've got them to come back. So that's three new signings potentially before we even kick a ball. So there's still a lot more to come from this squad. And everyone knows we lack goals. That's the biggest thing. Um, I've got to find someone to get alongside Cam's and get with another 20, 25 goals a season. If we get that and Cam's getting the 20 goals and We'll be up there, that's a certainty. Go on, Michael. Oh, well, the one thing I was going to say, whatever does happen to this season, I know there's been a lot of uh, high points in terms of FA Cup games and whatever, but as the as the guy who's doing the away games, I absolutely loved Alfreton away, Alan, the way that the way that a footballing team actually finally came victors over this long ball, big bunch of uh, six-footers. Did you enjoy that game as much as, uh, as we did on the commentary? Not in the first half, no, because we were awful. <laughs> we were awful in that first. We got bullied that first half, and we had a good go at the lads. And some of the players had a good go at each other in that dressing rooms, telling each other that they got bullied, and they accepted it. And to be fair, them they rolled the sleeves up, and that second half performance was outstanding. We, we literally footballed them to death in that second half. I don't think they got out there half. And the, the goals, I just thought they weren't going to come. That was the biggest thing. Again is the lack of goals that game. It could have been five or six and no one would have complained. Yeah, but they stood, that your, second uh, half, they stood up to be counted for. Sorry, go on, Stu. Yeah, I was going to ask you, it was a good question. It was sort of a build on your question, really. And I just wondered what your highlight was of the season. My highlight, it's, it's a tough one. Because to be honest, it was probably the first home game of the season against Gates. It sounds a bit daft, but just walking out there and like being the manager at Darlington, do you know what I mean? When you and it was such a great turnout against a local team, it was it gives a few little tingles, and I really enjoyed that. We never got the result I wanted, but just being able to get back and manage Darlington, you know, it sounds daft that I've been here three times, but it's I don't know why it is. It just seems to gravitate 
towards Darlington for some reason. It's strange, but um, that that feeling of managing that club was, as I say, I, I knew it was going to happen when I didn't come last time. I knew eventually it would happen. If it's just that connection I've got, I don't know what it is. I honestly do not know, but it just seemed to happen, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that that day. You know, like really proud moment managing the Darlington at that time. What about performances, Alan? Uh, best performances of the season, would you say? I mean, from, I'll look back at um, oh. Spain. York away first half, I think it was. The, York away that chances. first half was, was phenomenal. Good. Like Bearing in mind that was a really good good York side and no one expected to win that game at all. No one could work a shout. And, and even what was said, we battered them at, at full times. They absolutely battered them. And Chester at home first half, we battered them. Kidderminster, we battered them. All these are full-time teams, and we we dealt with them really comfortably. And that's a, the only frustrating thing is, like I say, we, we should have had a lot more points on the boards than that. But then performances there were were different class, to be honest with you. Yeah, what you've picked, and there's also the Spain were at home. To be honest with you, I, I, I can't remember how well we played in half the matches, but I know beating Spain were at home was a great a great occasion though, because Tom got his hundredth goal, although. Is it going to count if the season ends up null and void? I don't know. <laughs> is he going to, go, going to go back to 94 goals or what? I don't know. But that's, that's a strange thing, isn't it? Because they've, they've done that in the leagues below where they said they're expunging the results, but then they've, they're have keeping the yellow cards and the fines and the suspensions. And that way, how can you keep that if you're not keeping the record? It it doesn't add up. So again, the FEA have got their way of doing things. No one knows what's going to happen with it. Making it up as a go along, aren't they, I suppose. Making it <laughs> as I say, they can do what they want to the clubs, the non league clubs, can't they? It doesn't really affect them, right. unfortunately. Basically, but... get rid of anything that happened that was good and keep anything that means you owe us money, isn't it? <laughs> I think so, that's it. I, that's, what yeah. it it's, that's the bottom thing, and at the end of the day, our boys do the one thing, and that's money. I mean, it would be horrible if we had to pretend almost that. Tomo hadn't reached a hundred, or that we hadn't had that, you know, those cup runs and all of that. If the if the results really were completely wiped off the board, I'm I'm not sure I could get on board with that. I mean, I personally I don't know that there is a good way to to resolve this situation if there can't be time found to play the remaining games. But it it would feel really bad to me if everything just got we had to pretend it didn't happen almost. Yeah, but, I totally uh, agree. I, guess I totally happens. agree on that. Alan, um, I was talking. You, you mentioned him briefly earlier on, but I was talking to people over the, se- uh, the season, and this, the topic of Love Island came up. And, and when we were asking who at the club was a big fan of Love Island, I have to say your name was one of the ones that came up. Is that right? <laughs> I watch it. I would do. We'll watch it. But you've got to remember, I've got loads of kids that watch it. You know, it's not just me. <laughs> That's my excuse, anyways. No, listen. It's when I got a phone call from Trotz and he asked, he told me I, I was in shock. I really was in shock because I didn't expect that. I didn't know the lad a, a lot, do you know what I mean? Because he was only training once a week or whatever. and But he seemed a really quiet, nice lad. And then all of a sudden when he told us that where he was going, I couldn't believe it. I, and I had to keep my mouth shut. I couldn't see anything for months. And uh, it was tough because I never mentioned it to the club or anything. We just had to make sure everything was right. But such a strange one, that. Do you think we'll see him again? I've been speaking to him. Um, he's he's going to do a net cafe with Ray this week, hopefully. Um, like what Will Hatfield done, hopefully we can get Trotz to do one this week because the plan was to get him back up now and get him training, getting him ready. But obviously everything's just been hit on the head. And I 
we've got an option on him. That's the thing. We've got an option on Trotz, and we did have a little bit of a verbal agreement with him for next season that he would be here because the club have looked after him massively this year, and obviously he's still been getting paid while he's been injured. We've let him go into Love Island and everything, and looked after him that way. So I would hope he repays a little bit of that loyalty that we've given him this year, and at least give a go for at least half the season next season and see what happens. Very good, very good. Just a few more minutes left. We've got you for Alan. Any any questions from from you guys? Sorry, have you watched uh, uh, Tiger King? <laughs> I started it, but I, I I couldn't get into it and start. But um, I think I'll start watching it after I've seen little clips of it. Like looks a oh, bit wild. <laughs> <laughs> looks a bit wild. So I like I like have a good watch of that. All right, that's my final question for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk about him. Craig's a fan. We're always uh, we're always looking for guests on the podcast, Alan. I'm just wondering, you know, of, of the playing squad, you know, if you're thinking of potential podcast guests or potential commentators for games when they're not playing, are there any of the lads that you think might excel in that department? Well, you've seen some of the videos. You should see. Uh... Langy's just sent a message. He hasn't done any skills now. The toilet roll challenges. Langy, <laughs> Langy's just sent a message in. I couldn't stop laughing. It's the straightest face I've ever seen. Just a straight voice. A nice message from like protect the NHS and everything. It's just so funny, so bland. Just typifies <laughs> him. So it's there's a there's a few lads, you know what I mean. But um, we haven't got such a chirpy group. Do you know what I mean? I, I think there's they're quite within themselves, but. Um, I think if I ask them to do it, they'll do it. It's not a problem with that. They're a good group and they're demanding things like that. But let's see who that to be uh, careful on who you pick. I think Adam, Adam Campbell's quite a... He talks about the game, doesn't he? Adam Campbell, you know, he's a thinker. He, he, Massively. Well. Uh, yeah. He would be good to get on cams. He is quiet and shy, mind you, but um, he is very thoughtful in his answers and the way he speaks. He comes across exceptionally well, but... Is typifies of what he is because he is a top draw footballer. I think he's got his goals, Craig. But I'd love to know how many assists he's got this season as well because he's been probably our most creative player. He probably was, yeah, he probably was. I always, uh, I never, I never really had Tyrone at the top of my list for potential podcast people. Mind Alan, I haven't talked to him a couple of times. <laughs> that would be interesting, Tyrone. God, with MC Banks. God, he, he was he was brilliant, that kid. I, I just wish we had him longer. And now for the fact that if we'd had him longer, we would have been up there, that's a certainty. And it's it's not criticising any of the other players we've got. It's just he fitted into what we had. It was just a massive piece of the jigsaw. And when we lost him, it was it took a while to recoup and, regroup and get back together. But whether we can get him next year is a big ask because I think he'll... Uh, he needs to be playing at a higher level to progress a kid, but he's he's he was ideal for us at that time. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Any any final questions, chaps? Um, Alan, you, you mentioned um, you're after another forward. What? I'm I'm pretty sure I know the answer, here, but what sort of forward are you after? You be after the target man, won't you? Ask, I suppose it it can be a mixture of two. Kev, like people keep saying that. I love it when people say, "Well, we need a six foot two target man." But can he control a bloody football? Because like, of the way we play, we don't lump it up to people and have runners off them. Do you know That's not how we play. We're playing to feet and we're quite intricate in what we do. We've got really clever footballers, thinking footballers. And there's no point in me having a six foot three target man who's 
just going to stand there and not be any movement whatsoever. Might be handy to come bring on for the last 15, 20 minutes, but hey, why would you pay big money for someone like that? I need someone who can do both. And unfortunately, Kev, them ones cost a lot of money. Um, yeah. If I can find one, great. You know, like I have been speaking to a couple that can do a bit of both, and it's it's just trying to get them over the line. Um, but no, what you cannot offer anything at this moment in time because we haven't got a clue when the season's going to start. We haven't got a clue when contracts are going to end from other clubs. See, all I can do is keep speaking to people and hopefully get them on term the football side, tell them exactly how you're going to play and what you're going to do, how you're going to use them and how they'll be beneficial to us and then uh, see if we can get a deal when that time comes. Yeah, good stuff. Brilliant. Well, Alan, thanks very much. Don't hang up just yet, uh, but I'll stop this for a second just by saying, you know, thanks for all of us. Thanks for joining us this evening. And also, even though like the season's not definitely finished, we think it might be, but it's definitely not. It's certainly been a, there's been some real high moments in it. It's been a a breath of fresh air compared to the couple of seasons that went before it, honestly. Uh, So, so thanks for that. And I think whether we pick up again this season or, or we, we start next season, I think everyone's going to be really looking forward to it, building on everything that's gone on this year. Yeah, thanks for that. I just, as I see, I, I'm pleased, but I'm not, because I still think there's a lot more to come from this group. Well, uh, fingers crossed we can kick on and God knows what will happen after that. <laughs> all right, brilliant. Alan, hey, thanks very much well. from, from all of us. Earlier on today, I was able to catch a chat with David Johnson, Darlington CEO and Chairman, as uh, we tried to ask him a little bit about what he knows about the current situation, about how we're able to plan uh, with so much uncertainty around, about what he thinks might happen in the coming weeks, and also starting to have a look forward into next season and the implications of the current situation on planning and and what we might be able to do uh, for next season as well. David, thanks uh, a great deal for joining us here on the podcast. We always really appreciate your time. I'll uh, I'll keep it as painless as possible, but I'm sure everyone out there will be eager to hear some updates for you. I'll start off by just saying how you're coping, actually, in in this shutdown as someone who's CEO of the football club and also spinning other plates in your own personal life as well. How are you you managing to keep everything going in these crazy situations? Uh, Well, it's good to actually catch up, even be it remotely. Um, (laughs) And happy Easter to to all our fans and uh, uh, listeners out there. Um, How are we doing? Uh, Yeah, we're fine. Um, It's just quite interesting. In in my other business, we had to react very, very quickly. Um, The business, I've got 450 people working um, near the business, and we had to mobilise them within the space of of a week. So I spent £200,000 on laptops, company money, obviously, and Got them all working remotely. We work in the education business with international students, and within within two weeks, we had the whole organisation working remotely from home by Microsoft Teams, and actually teaching three thousand students remotely as well. So it can be done if you put your mind to it, which is you know a lot, a lot of activity in two weeks. Um, I just compare the, that to the indecision that's going on in the in the, the Premier League, the EFL, and the National League, and, and I find it it's staggering. It's absolutely staggering the lack of leadership and decision making. Um, so, you know, we're okay. Uh, we're living, uh, you know, T and I cracking on with our day-to-day lives. Um, I have, I'm working as normal from home five days a week. Um, everything is done over Microsoft Teams with, with the, the extended network around the world. Um, so that's fine. And obviously, uh, being at home, um, the dog's getting used to me again. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know. There must be an unbelievable amount of people on Microsoft Teams. You mentioned there as well, Dave, about the EFL and the Premier League and the indecision that they've got there at the moment, which probably isn't helping things. I noticed in the press last week, the National League started to make some recommendations or suggestions. Can you update us on, on where we are with that? Um, yeah, the, it's, it's interesting. I've had a couple of calls uh, with specifically with our league and the chairman in our league. Um, there's a lot of indecision out there. People don't know what to do. Um, we, as a board... Uh, meet every Friday, uh, all the teams, and and it's an extended board. So there's, there's, there's myself, um, we have, have John Vickerman, Jonathan Jowett, uh, Chris Stockdale uh, on on there, but also um, we have uh, John Saddington representing the sports group as well. Plus um, some of the you know the key people behind the scenes like like Dave Mills, uh, Dave Watson, Ray Simpson, um, and Alan joins as well. So we talk about all things football. We talk about. Um, we have, you know, there's minutes taken every week and we're continuing as the football club would be if we were in normal operation. Um, it is very difficult. The, the league, um, a lot seems to be stemming from the Premier League. You know, they've got until the 15th of July to finish the league. Um, that's, that was the original target date. Otherwise, they'd potentially lose £750 million of, um, of sponsorship. Um, that, um, I think, is the key thing. It's been in the press, it's been in the papers. Whether Sky and BT and others would... Withdraw that sponsorship would, is, a, is a moot point when actually the, the integrity of our national games at stake and actually the paying punters, the people who, who subscribe to the, the network to watch the football, um, would if the money was withdrawn, then you've got to wonder what's, what the impact would be on their customer base. But obviously the, the, the money that flows down from that comes right the way down to our level, although probably only two million ends up in the National League uh, and the rest of it's held within the, within the divisions above. But if you look at the accounts of every club uh, um, in the Championship, League 1 and League 2 last year, I think it was only Walsall made a profit. Um, all of the clubs rely heavily on the Sky income coming down. All the clubs are losing money. Um, you've got to worry if the sponsorship money doesn't come down, whether we'll see any more Burries or Bolton situations in, in you know within the coming year if the, if the funding wasn't to come through. So I think you know, the whole issue around what's happening at our level is is predicated on what happens from the Premier League and flows down. And hence, I think that's the reason for lack of decision-making. It's very, very difficult to do when you don't understand what's happening at a higher level and, and, the, and the fall through. But the clubs are talking. You know, Tony Wilson is the... Uh, I know Tony very well. I used to work with him. Um, he's our representative on the National League uh, North um, board. And, and Tony and I talk regularly around what's happening. Um, just to, to basically just keeping all the clubs informed. We have got a vote um, whether to suspend uh, the league indefinitely or to end the season. Just for, from from our perspective, uh, we're looking to suspend, is our view, because the players are contracted for a season. Now, we've obviously done the right things in relation to um, furloughing the players and, and with, with the government guidelines, but we've continued to pay the, all of our staff up. At the moment, we're paying up to 100%. You know, we're adding up to 20%, so there's no impact on us. We're hoping that this is a short-term issue, but we don't know. So we're also taking the benefit of the HMRC tax breaks, etc., and and you know, and looking for holiday payments where possible. But we're in a decent shape. Chris Doctor has done a fantastic job with the finances and keeping us all in line with with, with where we are and after advising you know, our position. Um, the, the reason we'd like to... It's just, uh, suspend indefinitely is because the players are contracted for a season and therefore whilst the season is not ended we're still under contract and we don't have to exercise options obviously if the season ends we've got seven days in which to exercise those options and we've got, we've got options on uh, virtually all of the squad um, the question is 
what decisions do you make? What's our claim budget going to be next year? How much is Booster Budget going to raise? How many season tickets are we going to get in? Uh, we don't know any of that at the moment. What's the commercial sponsorship going to be? We don't know. When's the season going to start? We don't know. And therefore, placing players now onto contracts that potentially, okay, they wouldn't start until the season, until the first ball is kicked, and that's when we start paying the players again. But ultimately, we could end up putting all the players onto options, signing them all up, and then realising that we can't afford to play that playing budget because of the, the, the revenue is down significantly. So it, it is a really difficult situation for every club to manage. Um, we're waiting now to see which way the league go with, with the voting. Um, but I think it's better to hold the players now. So basically, they don't all become, um, if we can't afford to, to sign them up under options, they don't become free agents. And then, you know, they start moving around and squads get decimated and whatever. So it's quite a difficult situation to manage. And, you know, Alan is talking to players. At the moment, all the players are very relaxed. They're very grateful that we've been able to um pay the 100% of wages and I, I expect some loyalty back from them for that but at the moment everyone is aligned they're fully appreciative of the fans and the club and we've just got to wait and see you know at what point the league makes a decision and we will have to then follow suit and make appropriate plans Yeah such a difficult and unprecedented situation isn't it and there's, there's some terms being used interchangeably I suppose there as well so just to clarify when you say that the football club's view will be suspension you mean sort of a, a rollover suspension until there's a potential that you could complete the season is that the definition right? That, that's Yeah that's the definition it's suspended indefinitely because we, they're, they're looking to try and get the, 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 the leagues playing again you know Quite rightly, we're in lockdown and we have to be, you know, the health and safety of the nation and the world is at stake on this. And, you know, the difficult bit is decide when the government's decide of how we come out of lockdown. Seeing football return to our screens is a sign of that we're turning to normality and, and, and normal life will resume. And it will, you know, that's the thing, it will. It's a question of when. And I think, you know, the, the government is obviously keen to see us see sport being played again. Now, whether that's behind closed doors or whatever, we've got to wait and see. You know, realistically, if it was the 15th of July, you've got to work back from that. We could probably play our nine games in four weeks, uh, but the players would need two weeks to get ready. That's six weeks, which means if that was the case, they'd need to be training on the 1st of June. So, you know, we're looking at all, all scenarios here. And obviously, the players are doing stuff in isolation. They're working through fitness regimes with Mark and, and Danny and others and whatever. So, you know, they're keeping themselves in, in good trim. You know, we've got a great set of lads there. So I guess I'm just trying to extrapolate a little bit from what you say. Then. So if you if you could squeeze the games into the time that you say, you'll need them back to be doing a couple of weeks training first first of June. So I guess that still leaves open a little bit of flexibility in the time between now and towards the end of May then, doesn't it, I guess, where you would have to make that call? It does, Stuart. And, and this is a changing situation week on week. You know, I'm, I'm looking you know, at these statistics day in, day out of every country around the world. I'm looking at the... Looking at the, uh, uh, the new cases and the, and the mortality rates, just to start to see when some people are coming out of the curve. It's interesting China are out of that curve now. Um, there is a risk of reinfection, however. You know, I am, yeah. and that's the that's the big concern. Does it go away or does it come back? I, you know, I think the sooner a virus can be made, sorry, a vaccine can be made, the better made available, the better. Um, and there's talk of that. You know, you see that the, there's, there's hundreds of millions being spent trying to resolve this issue because the impact on the global economy is is intense. Yeah, very good. No, I totally agree with that, David, as well. No, that's very useful to know. Thanks for that. Just uh, a word uh, amongst all of this chaos that we've got at the moment. It's uh, it's hard almost to summarise the season so far, but just wondered about your thoughts on the progress that the club on and off the pitch have made in, in this season. Let's not assume that it's the end of the season, but it seems a good point to reflect on that. Yeah, well, I think, you know, if you, if you go back to um, the start of the season, uh, Alan had to, to, to get a 
a new squad completely. And um, I think he's assembled one that is very, very good. And he's added quality to it. Um, he's, you know, he's re-engaged with the fans. They can see there's a clear affection between the fans and Alan about about what he's trying to do here. The, the style of football, the players we've got. You know, I'm very, very pleased at what we've achieved. I mean, you know, when Alan joined us, it was always going to be, you know, next season was the one we were targeting. Um, and if you look at where we are, you know, probably three quality additions to this team puts us in a very, very strong position. And that's what we were planning on prior to, <laughs> to uh, the, the coronavirus hitting. So I think on the field, we're getting it right. We're playing attractive football. You know, we need to be a little bit more resilient Um so we don't get, um, you know, the, the inconsistency. It's, it's consistency that counts at this level. We need to grind those results out when, when sometimes we're losing out. And that's something that the players, you know, it's a young side and, and, and they'll learn. And we need to score more goals. We know that. Um, and, and you know, that's what we've, we've been looking at. Um, Alan knows what he wants for next season. We're talking about that. We're just waiting to find out, you know, what's going to happen with this season first. And then when you start planning for next, you know, the, if this season is played out, you might see a delayed start to next season or you might see cup competitions drop next season. So, you know, there, there are lots of different options that are out there. And I think um, everybody's trying to find the most effective way to do this because obviously, the, you know, there's teams that have played, you know, ex, you know, extremely well all season. And any below us, if you look at promotion and relegation, et cetera, issues, they've all been cancelled. You know, you've got a favour for clubs like South Shields have done extremely well and, and, and maybe denied coming up now. Um, yeah. You know, I don't believe legal cases are... are uh, are a thing that we should be looking at at this point in time but each club's got to look after its own interest and see what they want to do I think um, you know, from our perspective we've got to just go where we've we got it here you know, let's be honest you know, people's, people are dying here um, that's far more important than, um, than, than the issues about you know, what's happening on the football field but um, we, will, we will return to, to normality uh, and whether we play this season out or not um, we, we, we are hoping that we can do uh, if you look what happened with when Alan's last season at Blythe, I think they picked some of like 21 points out last 27 and, and got into the playoffs. You know, it was, it was a massive, massive run they went on. And there's no reason why we couldn't do the same again here. But whether we do it will obviously depend on decisions that are taken higher up in the Premier League and the EFL. Yeah, a couple of final points. I've got my eye on, on time. I know uh, it's, I'm always grateful that you spend some with us. Um, just wonder if you've got any updates or whether there are any updates on playing uh, grounds and sport and village and that type of thing. No, not not at the moment, Stuart. I think the, the the key focus has been on ensuring the financial uh, sustainability of the football club through these difficult times. You know, we've got to look at um, where we are at the moment. The rugby club will be, Blackwell will be in, in similar pressures to, to us and, and we're working closely with Mike and the team there um, to, 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 to make, make sure that um, everybody, you know, is, is survives through this. Um, so I don't think it's the time to be discussing any of those issues, to be perfectly honest. Everything's been put on hold. And who knows what's going to happen with future funding and, and whether they, you know, whether Sporting Village actually comes off or not because of the, of the cuts to the the, the, the rugby uh, below the, the Premier League are going to be quite uh, challenging for all clubs at that level beyond that. And so I, I think we've, we've just got to wait and see whether the council approve the business plan and then, you know, sometime we return to Norval, we're still engaging with, with, with Blackwell about what we can do there to improve match day experience and the fan, you know, the, Viewing uh, positions at several fans because um, when you get a large crowd in there, it is very difficult to viewing. So, lots of stuff on the go, but not at the moment. Everything's just been put on hold. You know, the the nation's safety and security comes first, and then beyond that, we have to make sure that we do the right actions for Darlington. Um, and, and I think you know, you asked about questions. I'm answer the question on the field, off the field. Um, the boards are working very, very well together. You know, we've had a bit of um, a couple of people's back off back office this year, which we're managing. Um, 
but I think that the the advice and, and the collaboration and the um, the supportive way in which both boards are working, it's the best that, that I've experienced in, in my time at the club. And and um, you know we 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 talk through everything through in, in in great detail. We're getting a lot of input from everybody now, which is nice to see. It's not just down to one or two individuals where it can be quite taxing. But uh, you know I think. I'm just looking forward to, to when we when we can start you know, watching football live again and, and get back to it. It's um, I, I hope with, if you look at the curves that we will be you know back to norm, normal life by September this year. Um, I think that's possible. Yeah, but whether we play this season now remains to be seen. Yeah, very good, David. Thanks, uh, thanks for that. I guess uh, just final uh, final thoughts. I know normally it's it's we're sort of out of sync, aren't we, with everything that's going on at the moment, with everything being held down. But we'll be coming up to boost the budget. We'll be coming up to some of the season tickets. And I just wondered, um, either related to that or totally unrelated to that, if you've got any sort of thoughts or messages to all of the fans out there who will be uh, who will be listening. I guess one of them will be that everybody stays safe and stays well. Yeah, well, just 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 one thing I just wanted to pick on a little bit. You know, the, the club. Have- done quite a bit with the community engagement through this period um you know the, the um the board i i i've got a scheme at work which i call, which I call the buddy scheme and i, I thought it'd be a very good idea to introduce in Darwin where we you know members of the board and and the operations teams we, we're now contacting um uh, the elderly maybe isolated or some shielded you know individuals and on a weekly basis we last week we spoke to 145 different people um and the feedback has been outstanding actually it's quite inspirational i i enjoy talking to individuals and ringing up that there's a bit of um it's quite funny when they say who is it and, and i say what <laughs> i do i've had some great conversations with people it's been really really uh, humbling and, and worthwhile i've enjoyed that and we're going to continue with this um you know the um we've got uh, we'll be we'll be continuing to, to speak to people every week um, we put some phone lines up on Quaker Retail as a phone line. There's also a media one in the phone line if people are wanting help or, or support in these difficult times. Um, and also, if you think about what what, what the the squad have been doing, the players have been had a toilet roll challenge. You know, we've had uh, Tom or Ben, Omar, Justin, Jordan uh, doing it. I've, I've challenged Alan to do it, but uh, he's he's at the moment he's he's holding up against it. But I think the rest of the players will be will be trying it shortly. That's been great. We've actually seen Danny O'Connor treating a toilet roll. Um, <laughs> so he looks very, very gentle with it. It's not like Danny's normal style. Um, <laughs> the you know the entire girls youth squad um, have, have done some great messaging for national health. You saw that. That's brilliant in, in these times. And congratulations to them. Um, Will did a net calf the other night, um, and that, that went down very well. Mark Thistlewood post, posted stuff. And we, we also um, featured the Northern Neck on BBC T's on Make a Difference. You know about what we're doing. Uh, so I think. The community engagement has been a strong issue whilst this has been going on and, and, and thanks to everybody who's taken part in that. It's very, very important that during these periods of isolation that you know, you know we, we do things to keep people's morale high. It's uh, it's, it's it's good fun. Um, I doubt I'll do the, the toilet roll challenge if I do. It might just be a 50-50 on the law. I'm not probably about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. But it's a good point, that, Dave, because you, you know, you're right to say that there's lots of uh, much more important things going on in the world, but it does make you realise times like this how special the football club is to an awful lot of people, uh, particularly a bunch of people who, who are pretty isolated at the moment as well. So I know from talking to Dave Mills that the buddy scheme has been really highly valued uh, and a great, uh, great initiative as well. Yes, yeah, I think it's, and I'll tell you what, the people are doing it, the feedback when we had our um, first board meeting, which was last Friday night after we launched it, everybody on the call um, really enjoyed doing it. Uh, they, they said it was, it was, it was brilliant. And 
they got they got as much out of making the calls as the people on the other end receiving them did, and that that's nice to see as well. It's very nice to see. So yeah, we, we we'll continue with that. <clears throat> we'll continue with other activities as, as we can. Um, and you know, as this is a, I think it's it's you know the, the situation is going to change every week. The government are trying to do their best to lead us through this, and I think they've done you know, some good stuff. Um, and we've just got to follow their example and, and make sure we do stay safe, we do stay, stay isolated, and this virus will eventually eventually die out. Um, and obviously, the longer it goes, the more time it gives for you know, testing and, and vaccines to be created and developed. There's an interesting report in the Times yesterday where they believe that the a vaccine could be around as early as September, which, if it does, is fantastic. But that will probably obviously wish through through testing pro- protocol, etc. But uh, you know. We will return to normality. I just hope it's uh, sooner rather than later because I think um, you know four weeks now in isolation, it does get to does get to you. Know, I might not have fun at working remotely. Um, I'm a lot more productive when I'm than I am when I'm in the office because people always want to talk to you during the day. There's the there's all the the, the conversations of the coffee machine, etc., etc., etc. At home, I just go from one meet to the next, the next, the next. I'm going to have a lot done. The risk is like you you, you don't take breaks, you don't stop for lunch, you don't do anything. And it's it's quite different working remotely, where you've got to plan in time for exercise and plan in times for for coffee and, and social uh, chat, because otherwise you you will just continue to work, 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 which is <laughs> just, just tiring you up by the end of the week. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm I'm glad you're enjoying elements of it, and I'm certainly glad that the dog is enjoying lots of it, David. Anyway, were you being around at home? <laughs> and, uh, and let me just say thanks for joining us again on the podcast. I was a big fan of it. Um, uh, which we which we really appreciate, and uh, and we'll see you hopefully before too long. Yes, look, that, that thanks, Joe. We appreciate. It. If you want to do another one of these, please feel free. You know, I'm quite happy to to talk whenever you want to talk. I mean, it, it, you know, I think Ray's planning a netcap as well, which would be good, so the fans can ask any questions they want. Um, but you know, just a, a final message from me to all the fans out there. Um, a couple of things around booster budget is going to be really vital this year. Um, we we do believe that our commercial income will be down because sponsors may not have the money to be able to support. They may not be able to engage. Uh, we'll see around that one. It's just, there are just so many unknowns about when a season can start. So boost the budget is going to be critical to giving Alan a competitive budget um, to play with. You know, And obviously season ticket sales. I think on the early birds, this time last year, we'd sold 2.6. This year, we sold 2.85. So we're 25 tickets up on that, which is great. Um, it's a total of 490 tickets last, sold last year, season tickets. Um, we've sold 11 of new season tickets already. So, again, season ticket sales are, again, vital for this. Um, and booster budget is vital um, and because we'll be trying. You know, it, it, I believe we're two or three players away from having a very, very competitive squad. And it, it would be such a shame if we had to step back another year whilst we regroup following COVID. But um, if that's what we could do, that's what we've got to do. I understand it's still time for everybody. But thanks to all the fans out there for continued support your club. Um, it, it really is appreciated. But the most important thing at the moment, you know, stay safe, follow the government guidelines. Um, you know, the, the, the closer we stick to those guidelines, the sooner this, this virus will end. And, um, you know, if anybody is uh, struggling out there, please reach out to the helplines. You know, we'll see what we can do to support and help people through this. Because it, it is a difficult period for everybody. But, um, you know, the, the club continues to operate on a day-by-day basis, week-by-week basis with the meetings we're having, the planning for next season. And uh, we will emerge out of this stronger than before. So, you know, stay safe and, and, and best wishes from me. Brilliant. That's David Johnson, Chairman and Chief Executive of Darton Football Club. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks, Stuart. Take care. So earlier in the week, we had a chance to sit down. Actually, it was on this Easter weekend to sit down and have a chat with Darlington's uh, community 
and operations consultant Dave Mills. And Dave, amongst other things, was talking about the recently launched Buddy Scheme, which is a scheme that's designed to keep in contact um, and keep the spirits up of many of our fans who might be out there socially distancing, isolated or shielded individuals as well. So let's have a listen and see what Dave had to say about that. So we're joined on the podcast now uh, by Dave Mills, who's back at the club in the role of community and operations consultant back at Darlington Football Club. Dave, thanks for joining us on the podcast. How are you finding this time where you're kind of locked down and away from everybody? Yeah, thanks, Stuart. It's, yeah, it's really actually still quite busy, um, you know, because we're able to continue some of the work we started before the lockdown remotely. Um, you know, all of our contacts have got the capability to, you know, either have a, a phone call or a conference call. Um, you know, we, we're communicating by emails and, and I'm basically keeping in touch with an awful lot of the people that I started working with in, in the few months before this lockdown. So, yeah, that's ticking over nicely. Yeah, very good. And in that few months before we got to the lockdown, Dave, were there any bits that you were particularly pleased with or any bits of progress that uh, are, are worth mentioning? Uh, yeah, I think something of, of, of real mention is um, I'd put together a, a community team. Now, um, one of the things I agreed to do when I came back to the club was to look seriously at how we engage with the community, both on, a, on an individual supporter base, but also on a commercial base. Um, you know, because the community of Darlington needs to back the football club as much as it possibly can. Um, and to do that, one of the things I'd, I'd put some time into doing was putting together a team of people to work with me, a team of volunteers, um, of which uh, they're already at the club, but we just realigned roles a little. You know, so we've got uh, Andrew Alton, who's been doing the match day experience stuff now for the last eight years. He's part of that community team. Uh, Liam Coates, who does the holiday courses through the foundation, is part of that team. Um, and Jeff Gale is also part of that team. So between the three of them, with you know a, um, a little bit of oversight from me, uh, that's where we got to when uh, when the lockdown came. You know, we just put that team in place. So um, I'm looking for great things for that team. It's a, quite an exciting time. Yeah, great guys, all of the three guys there as well. Great guys who've been in and around the club for a little while now as well. So it's great that they've uh, been able to step up and you've been able to formalise that as well. One, one of the things, Dave, I was going to talk to you about a little bit is how the club, and I know you're leading the charge on this, and managing this time of big uncertainty um, as everybody's locked down with the coronavirus situation. And I was reading a couple of things from the club about the buddy scheme that's kicked off. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about where that came from, where that idea came from and how it works in practice. Yeah, it came from a from a, from a brainstorm exercise that uh, both the football club and the supporters club um, board um, on one of our video conference calls. We did a bit of brainstorming about how best we can engage uh, continuously with the community whilst this lockdown continues. Um, and if we look at the scenario with being fan owned, um, you know, how could we reach that fan base now when they need us most? You know, they're not getting a football fix. They can't come to the games. So how can we sort of take the football club out to our fan base? Um, and what we've started, we, we started to roll it out last week. We've started to make uh, phone calls. Now, when I say we, I'm talking about a whole host of people across the football club from uh, volunteers, um, a whole range of club officials, um, directors of both boards, 
uh, are taking part in this. Alan's taking part in this too. And we've really got a whole army who um, uh, basically they receive a list of, of, of names and numbers from me and they make the call. Now, the call is just designed to engage. It's just to ask how people are, um, to give them a little bit of a football fix, to talk about football, to look forward to the days when we can all meet up again at Blackwell Meadows for the next match. Um, and the feedback we've had from that has been outstanding this, this, this last seven days. We've contacted no fewer than 145 of our fans so far. Now, this will roll on week on week as long as we, you know, we sort of lock down. Um, this week, I've already got lists of um, a different cohort of fans to ring for us all to ring. The week after that, there'll be a different group and a different group. And we'll keep working through our database uh, until we're happy that we've contacted every single person that we, we've got the means to do in terms of the information. Fantastic. What's been the, I'm curious, what's been the reaction then, Dave, when... Whenever you know somebody answers the phone, they're sitting at home, sitting at home. Maybe I haven't talked to somebody for a little while, and and somebody from the club rings them up for a for a chat. What's the reaction been, and what's the uh, they've been surprised? Oh, yeah, initially surprised, but then then you know just the appreciation, you know that that the club's taken you know a little bit of effort just to make contact with them. I mean, what we've actually done, Stuart, in the in this first group of calls that we've made this week, we've looked at our um, most senior fans. Um, you know, those that we know who are on the government shielding list and having to self-isolate for a minimum of 12 weeks. Um, we've contacted our senior fans who we know are living alone. So we've really targeted initially for this last week, you know, that kind of group. And the conversations that we've had, certainly the conversations I've had specifically, um, uh, uh, they've just been um, inspiring. Um, I mean, I've been talking to, to folks in the 80s um, as have others and we've been talking about football at Feetums from from the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and you know and then all of the post-war stuff and it, it's been it's been awesome to do Stuart it's been so worthwhile and I know that it's appreciated by the fans um, you know the, the fans own the club and this is one way that we can give back as a club a little bit to the fans at this most difficult time. Yeah, fantastic initiative and helps keep that bond close. I wonder, I mean, first of all, there must be loads of stories come out there that we should perhaps capture and stick on a podcast because I bet there's some great stories coming from those people that you contact. And But having sitting in there, I spend most of my time sitting in that seated stand where the commentary position is, surrounded by quite a few people, I guess, who are probably on that list. And they're not they're not often short of giving an opinion to Alan or to somebody else out that stand <laughs> about what's going on on the pitch. Have you had any... Uh, have they been uh, stopping and giving you some some tips or passing any messages on about how they uh, think should be doing? They actually have, you know, they actually <laughs> have because, you know, they're, they're all owners in their own right. They're all managers, uh, you know, they, 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 they can do it. Um, absolutely, yes. And, you know, how nice wouldn't it be if we had somebody like, and then they would give a name, you know, from yesteryear. Um, you know, and if we had one of those in the team, and I know Alan will go out and get one, and and it's it's, it's been absolutely great. They've just entered into it into a great spirit. Um, you know, one or two's um, fun stories. You know, we've we've shared some fun, um, a lot of stories about the early days at Feetums, especially with that age group. Um, you know, because some of them haven't visited. Uh, certainly Blackwell Meadows too frequently because of, of, of their age and possibly in, you know, for, in health-wise for some of them. Um, but the stories about Feetums just abound. 
uh, and they're great to listen to. Absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. Well, congratulations to you and the team on that, Dave. That's a fantastic initiative. Just finally, as, as we look ahead, we will be back at some point. I mean, the, the Queen said last week, didn't she? Her Majesty said we will be, uh, we'll meet again. So hopefully we do too. What's uh, what would you like to accomplish whenever we do get back on the com- on the community uh, angle? I, I think it's just actively just to, to to pick up where we left off before the lockdown because we are limited as as we know to what we can do in lockdown. Um, but now we've got the the, the community team. Uh, we'll get out there. Um, we've got we, we're writing a whole community prospectus at the moment behind the scenes, um, and that will be a catch-all. It will have business links. It will have school links. It will have community group links. It will have charity links. It will have young people links, um, and that's currently being written. And it's obviously a great time where we can get on and crack on with that, you know, without the sort of um, the um, without the games going on so when we are up and running certainly one thing that i'll be doing with that team is to to now you know sort of roll out a lot of the planning that's going on um and it's look out the community of darlington you know because we we, we're coming out there to work with you you know we want to build this club together um you know we rely on supporters we rely on the community and if we all do this together then you know we can start then to achieve the things that we want to achieve as a as a football club Brilliant. Dave, I'll be back a little while, but um, you know, on behalf of us all here at the podcast, welcome home. Uh, it's, it's great that you're back. How's it been to be uh, to be back with uh, with Darling Football Club? Fabulous. Um, you know, should I have come back a little bit sooner? Probably so. Uh, I am absolutely thrilled to be back. Uh, the people that I'm working with are are all at a at a different level um, from the whole range of people across the club. Um, you know the volunteer base that we have is is second to none you know i've seen a lot of football at this level um and most clubs can't compare to you know the dedication uh, the commitment in particular that our volunteers show without the volunteers Stuart, we wouldn't have a football club um you know behind that we've got a strong group of people the operations managers group is a strong group the board of directors is a strong group the supporters club board of directors is a strong group and you start to put all those together and the future is very bright for this football club one thing that we have to be mindful of Stuart, as we go through this is is to capture the young people out there I haven't mentioned the young people much but it's important that we do because the youngsters of Darlington and, and, and area are our lifeblood and again part of the community work that we will we will roll out is um, particular engagement with the young people I noticed that um, you know we've got the Easter Bunny competition going out there at the moment you know because and it's a fantastic opportunity for those young people at home uh, can can sit and take part in a competition and have some recognition back from the football club. Those kind of things are really, really important and we must never, ever lose sight of what the young people can do for us. Fantastic. Fantastic, Dave. That's Dave Mills, Community and Operations Consultant. Great to have you with us on the podcast, Dave, and we will keep in touch, not knowing quite how long this, uh, this period of uncertainty is going to last, but we'll keep in touch along the way as well. So thanks again. Please do that, Stu. So that was Darlington manager Alan Armstrong joining us there. We're very grateful for him spending some of his uh, evening chatting to us a lot about the Quakers. Um, And from talking to Alan and what we've heard from David um, recently, it it looks like nobody really knows for sure what's going to happen for the rest of the season, whether we're going to play games, whether we're not going to play games, what they're going to do about promotion, relegation, points per game. I don't know. What do you reckon, Kev? What what would you do? What what do you think is going to happen for the best? Well, 
I, I think there's two different questions there, isn't there? There's what you think is going to happen and what you would want to do personally. Um, <laughs> personally, from my point of view, I, I want to try and actually finish the season, play the games, because it feels otherwise that, you know, all the previous games that you played just feels like a complete waste of time. Um, uh, I can't speak for you guys, but I certainly don't want to feel like I've wasted the previous few months of, you know, stuff that we've been doing. Uh, and I'm sure other people around the club don't want to feel like that either. Um, what I can see happening, uh, I can see them just shoving it all in the bin, to be honest with you. I, I just can't see a way for them to finish this season in the time that we're going to have. Because obviously this lockdown is going to drag on for a bit longer. And even when it is lifted, I, I don't think playing football is going to be a particularly high priority in the grand scheme of things, unfortunately. So... Yeah, then then you're talking about how how do you settle it? Um, I've I've heard people mention points for games, but I don't think you can do that because you know home and away, you know straight away how how which you know where games surely you've got to have a higher lead in than maybe home games, you know in terms of your points for games. So I think when you start getting into the the realms of that, it becomes really difficult to do. And I think you've just got to throw it in the bin, haven't you? Yeah, Mike. Just think, Mike Cansfield. I was just thinking, look, Lemington. Oh, sorry, Craig. Uh, Le- Lemington away there, all, all for nothing mm. on the Tuesday night. Well, yeah, really? all, all for, literally, all literally all for nothing. And it's, um, I mean, whichever, however, this is resolved, this situation, it, it's not going to suit. It's, it's going to not suit someone and and suit others. It's you can't really win. There isn't a perfect scenario. However, it's however we conclude this situation and. If you look, if you look below us, South Seals obviously clearly didn't suit them because they were nailed on for promotion. They were as good as up, really. You know, because their situation, uh, they're now null and void. Now, if that happens to, if that happens at Downton level, there's a lot of clubs would be very unhappy. But then, conversely, there are other clubs people <laughs> delighted about it, like Bradford Park Avenue. Um, so I don't really know. Whatever happens, someone's going to be annoyed. Um, I can see why the league is below, and I can see why it's appealing to class things null and void because it means no one is worse off in a sense. You're back to where you were in August, so you're not really worse off in reality. You you might have been on the verge of promotion, but you weren't definitely. But you were definitely in the league six months ago, if you like. You know, as we stand, so you haven't lost out if we go back to where we were in August. Um, but like Kev says, we would have all wasted our time and our money if everything was scrapped. So for me, you've got to conclude the season. If that means playing games in June, July, uh, these last nine matches, then so be it. You know, we, we finish it, finish the season June, July time, and then start next season straight after. You know, we might have a break of a week or two or whatever. Uh, start next season August, September. And, and we carry on. We've had our pre- just think of it as having your pre-season now, you know, in April, your, your summer break. Have it. Think of it in that way. Uh, that's the only way around yeah, the, it for me. That's true. The irony of the, the first time the Premier League had a, had a winter break, and then we've actually had this go on the same time. It is. Uh, but I mean, the other school of thought is that closed door business of trying to get games. But I, I just don't know how that can work at our level. I mean, I know there's things you can do, but how do you stop people going to watch the, their team play? It's, I just, it's going to roll up. I think where we're now, we're getting towards mid of April. It's not going to happen any time soon, is it? Let's face it. So I think it's all good. Until we know when the world's calming down, it's 
it's just hyperbole of guessing. It's just a guessing game. We need to need to know that people are. It's not spreading anymore, and then you can start thinking about anything else. I just you just don't know. We don't know whether we're going to be. To me, if you're talking about playing games behind closed doors, I, I don't see the point in doing that. I think if, if you're not going to play games in front of the fans, then what's the point? I, I, I don't agree with playing it behind closed doors, full stop. It's not, well, if, it's if, not if you imagine if you, if you if you think about a scenario for us, imagine you've got to go to you're playing three games a week, and you know, let's say that the season peters out, we end up in the tenth, eleventh, but we're not going to threaten the playoffs, and you end up having to go out of Boston on a Thursday night, having played somewhere away on the Tuesday night. I mean, I can't see what sort of integrity there is around that play. It's going to be almost impossible for players to first of all make themselves available, and then secondly, to give much of a monkeys in that situation anyway. Well, that goes back to what I was saying about no matter how we resolve the situation, there's, it's not ideal. And if that means if playing three games in a week, playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, not ideal for anyone. But I think for me, that's better than pretending over the last six months didn't happen or the last seven, eight months didn't happen. You know, scrapping it. I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, but I mean, the one person who was yeah. Stephen Thompson, as I said before, Stephen Thompson, he'd be back on ninety-four goals if we scrap what's just happened. You know. Um, he's not the most important person in this, but from a football point of view, I'm talk- we're talking about history, records, appearances. It's, it's crazy to, uh, to pretend nothing has gone has happened since August. Yeah, Mike. Mike Price is is sitting very politely with his socially distant hand in the air. So, Mike, <laughs> I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to agree with Kevin Craig. Basically, I think the fairest way to resolve all of this is to somehow find the find a way to play the remaining games. Um, any method that involves scrapping the remaining fixture list and going off PPG or, you know, declaring the league as it is and, prom- and potentially not promoting or maybe promoting and relegating people based on where they are now, it it's unfair to, to try and say that, you know, where we all are now is where we would have been in eight or nine games' time. So the fairest, if not necessarily the most feasible way, is to try and is to finish the season and get those games played. I wouldn't like to play them behind closed doors either. Um, but there's there's no good way that I can see that that doesn't involve playing those games. It's just where can you where can you fit them in and how does that what what's the knock on effect on next season? How are the players' availability is going to be affected if we end up having to try and finish the season in summer? It's it's a horrible, horrible situation for us all to be in. And yeah, football kind of takes a back seat at the moment. But once we are in a position where we can start to think about it again, it's it's really hard to, to make a decision on what to do. But I wouldn't like to throw the whole season in the bin, as has been proposed and indeed done on at lower levels than ours, just because of all that's gone on this season. You know, Craig's already mentioned Steve Thompson getting his 100 goals, our trip to Walsall, you know, our cup runs. Are we supposed to pretend that never happened? Because I'd rather not. <laughs> you know, I'd like to. I'd like to be able to. You know, twenty twenty one season. Look back and say, you know, we've made it to the first round of the FA Cup for the second season in a row, or something. Fingers crossed. But well, as long as as long as we we'll even be thinking about this again. As long as yeah. the FA have paid us for the money to get to the first round, that's the. I, that's I think true. We can live We're not going to want that. We live with it. <laughs> well, exactly. As long as it, as long as we know that it's actually. We know it's happened. I just think it's going to yeah. be with it being semi-pro. You don't even know. If, you don't even know how many actual clubs in our league even own their own ground. Whether they can play. Yeah, I mean, I can't. Just, 
I can't remember which club it was, but I did see a club in one of the leagues that's already decided to call everything off and and void the season. But they put out a tweet that said that they are still going to have, like officially speaking, they're going to include all of the appearances, goals and everything in their official records. So even though the season's been expunged, they're not expunging the uh, the appearance data. So I guess even if officially... Stephen Thompson's on ninety-four goals. To us, he's already on his—he's on his hundred, whether exactly. they like it or not. <laughs> before uh, Kev comes in, uh, before Kev comes in next, he's got his hand up. I must admit, I can't be the only one who thought when this social distancing came in that we've had centre backs over the years who've never been within two meters of an opposition for the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them we could have got Brack Shuley. Tony Brown was doing it two years ago. <laughs> There's well, a line Kev, we'll sorry. be using on commentary a few times in the near future, isn't it? Well, you, you mentioned next season there, uh, uh, Michael Pride. Um, like, to me, next season is not important. It's pointless talking about next season because we need to figure out, you know, what's happening with this season. People keep going on about, oh, well, next season starts in August. Well, it doesn't have to. You know what I mean? You, once you work out what you're doing with this season, you can worry about the following season afterwards. You know, whenever I see bits and pieces on websites talking about how they're going to rectify things, people get a little bit hung up on, you know, when next season's going to start. We can start next season, whatever. You know, as long as we can try and find a way of finishing this season in a, a reasonable manner. Yeah, I entirely agree with Kev there. I mean, we, we've played all these matches. We've almost finished the season. You, you don't just give it up. We don't just scrap it just because it suits you logistically. I mean, we've got to play these games. We've got to finish them off. The frustrating thing is, at our level, if those games are played in, in theories, uh, these nine matches, if they are played in, say, June, July time, well, a lot of clubs at our level, uh, their contracts will have expired, a lot, a lot of players. So that creates a bit of a, an issue. Um, I mean, I know Alan's, Alan Armstrong has said to us that um, his players have agreed to they will still play. Um but there's bound to be some, maybe it's not a Downton, but maybe it's elsewhere, I don't know. Um, if they know they're getting released at the end of their contract or if they've got another club lined up or if they've got an uncertain future, how committed are they going to be playing? I mean, they might play, but how committed are they going to be in the match uh, in which they're playing? It just creates a bit of a question. Yeah, mark, I guess if they know they've got a move lined up, they'll probably try and avoid getting injured and stuff, won't they? So not yeah. going into 50-50s and things. So I mean, it's isn't, isn't, I mean, there isn't an ideal scenario. Okay. There isn't a perfect. There isn't a perfect solution to any, any of this, really. But that's just one of the drawbacks of playing in June, July, if we get to that stage. But I will say about the points per game. Um, there are people who would be who would find it quite amusing if if it's if the league was settled on that points per game, because there are clubs that are currently in the playoff positions now who, if PPG was implemented, would then go out of the playoffs and therefore be finishing mid-table. And people of a, a doubt and persuasion would find that quite amusing, as that would affect detrimentally another club in the northeast. I'll leave people to discuss <laughs> what might be. You can never let it go. I, I genuinely, I genuinely, and even clocked that actually. So that, that shows how much I've been looking. I didn't realise that. But isn't the truth with all of this though that we're in a system, and if it, it's going to end up, we're going to fall in with the top, aren't we? Because if the Premier League continues, then they're going to want to figure out what's the promotion and relegation look like between the Championship and the Premier League. And if you're promoting and relegating at the top end of the Championship, then you've got to relegate at the bottom end, and then you know it all sort of knocks down from there, doesn't it? Well, again, you, you don't have to guards. think about us Liverpool fans, yes. <laughs> well, there's a few who have us at their Liverpool in our history. That's, yeah, it's, uh, 
Could you imagine that not finishing? Well, I, I agree. You, I mean, you, you're saying there, Stu, you, you mean the Football League, uh, you mean League Two will need a club promoting from National League? That's you're referring that, to that, that would follow. That's the that's the logic I would follow. I mean, if you're getting promoted from the Championship to the Premiership, and then if somebody then consequently is getting promoted from League Two to League One, then surely Barrow, who are top of the National League, are going to say, "Well, thanks very much. Same for us. We're into the Football League." And it, it's just hard to think how you can fix some of those leagues, but not fix all of them. It just seems. Well, I, I agree, but we're, we're kind of halfway there in the sense that. We've already just, just it's already been decided that there'll be no relegation. Sorry, there'll be no promotion from the uh, Northern Premier League into into our division. So South Seals aren't going to come up. Yeah, which yeah. means Bradford Park Avenue don't go down. Um, yeah, there's which a is, few clubs preparing a legal challenge to that, though, isn't there? I mean, it, just against the idea of not finishing the season or just voiding the whole thing. So, I mean, I suppose it might depend on what happens there. Maybe they will get their chance to finish the season. Well, the only the only rational reason I could think that the National League stayed out of that original non-league decision was because of the promotion relegation at the Football League, which is the holy grail for the National League, isn't it? That's what the National League's main priority is, to make sure that there's promotion and relegation at the Football League. So I, I'd have thought that we're past that decision point now. It's very, very difficult for South Shields and other clubs down at that level. And I'm not saying I agree with it either, but I, I don't know. I don't know whether we're past that point. I was going to say, I think the National League will pretty much hang on the coattails of um, what the EFL decide to do, uh, personally. Um, yeah, I think so. You, you mentioned, um, you know, various clubs preparing, you know, legal legal stuff. And I'm like, you know, I, I just don't agree with that because what what's that going to do? It's just going to drag everything out and nothing's going to get resolved anytime soon if you start involving lawyers in it. So I, I just I don't agree with that whatsoever. Well, I, I don't really agree with it as such, but um, at the same time, it's you can kind of see the point of view that South Shields will feel very sore. They've, they were so close; they weren't like nine points clear of them from, from second position. Yeah. They were effectively yeah. they were, they were promoted. All these all that work because it, it's not just the season's work really. They lost out in the playoffs of the previous year, so they were so close. So essentially, they spent two years building up to this promotion, and uh, to be taken away. In, in all circumstances, very very cruel on them, really. Um, as you can the kind of see the point of view. Yeah, yeah, that was well. Well, it's all a bit of sort of hypothetical at the moment, isn't it? We'll have to see what happens. But to, to think about sort of happier times and things that we're certain of, Mike C brought this one up in, a little minute ago with Alan there, moment of the, moment of the season. Uh, his, his first nomination was Alfreton. Alfred in a way, wasn't it? Any any other any advance on that? Because honestly, there's been some great stuff this season, much better than the the season before. Let's be honest. Any any uh, any competitors for Alfred in a way as moment of the season? Are you talking moment? Are you talking game or goal or because moment's what you can moment's define it, soul, isn't it? Yeah, but, I think. Sorry, the yeah, moment exactly. is that it's got to be Wheatley's equaliser. That's the moment, Definitely. isn't it? Yeah. I think it's got to be up there somewhere, hasn't it? Yeah, well, that's the only I mean, one that made me jump out my seat, even though I'm not supposed to. So, I mean, I think um, <laughs> ever the professional. That's got, yeah, that's, that's got to be that's got to be the moment. Um, I mean, I wasn't the only one in, in the press box. But I, I'm pretty sure that Mike yourself and uh, yeah, you, you Mickey Stu, yeah. Mr. Cansfield, about 1,200 people in the away end. It was uh, yeah. Well, they missed as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I think. Uh, the other one I was thinking of was Tamworth away. I thought Tamworth away in the FA Cup in the preceding round was a really good day as well. 
there was proper nerves with that, wasn't there? Because yeah. you know, the, the expectation was there that we would see the job through at that stage uh, because, you know, you always want to play. At that point in the competition, you always want to play a team who's lower, lower in the system than you. And we, for once, we got a bit lucky with the time. We got a, I don't want to say an easy time, but a, a certainly a, a time which was, you know, beneficial to us, dare I say. And, you're you're always worried in those sort of situations, aren't you? Are you gonna are you gonna pass up the opportunity? And for once, we didn't pass up the opportunity. We played really, really well that afternoon. Um, there was a penalty save in that one as well, wasn't there? It was yeah. It was. Uh, I can't remember. Is it one nil or two nil? I can't I think remember which we, it was. We were one nil up, weren't we? And yeah. Connell saved the penalty. Yeah, and then the follow up as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, because. I, I don't know. I, I got a sense when we arrived at Tamworth that they thought they had an outside chance. Um, I, just the impression I got when I was walking around the place and talking to people, I, I got the impression that they fancied their chances that day. And we, we, we did such a professional job on them. Um, I, mean, you know, I wouldn't be too critical of Tamworth there, by the way, because in the FA Cup, you do fancy your chances. You know, if we were, if they out and were drawn, you know, we'd, we fancy our chances at Walsall, you know. So. It's not a criticism, but I. I was quite. I was delighted that for once we we stood up to the challenge and we did what we had to do and we got through because it would have been typical Darlow, wouldn't it? We've gotten got a club like Tamworth, um, you know, before the FA Cup proper and passed up the opportunity. I mean, how many times have we been in that situation down the year in the past? And for once, we we didn't do it. We did a proper job. Yeah, well, for once we had an FA Cup run. We won three FA Cup ties in one season. Can you believe it? <laughs> I know. Um, Unbelievable. It feels funny trying to summarise the season when you're not quite sure whether it's finished or not, doesn't it? You almost don't want to, you know, you don't want to be given grades out or anything like that or all the stuff that we normally do. Uh, it's because we're not sure if it's going to go ahead again. Yeah, it's all very strange at the moment. I, I mean, going back to your question before was moment of the season. Um, obviously, Warsaw, game of the season or performance is probably York away. Um, yeah. But then also... Yeah. the it was quite enjoyable beating Spain. We were at home as well. That was a, not, not a bad day as well. Um, yeah, kind of... I guess Chester 2 0 at home was yeah. pretty good as well. Who was that, Kev? Chester at home. Chester at home, yeah. Another, played them off the park. Yeah. Any, uh, any I'm not going to talk about, um, you know, player of the season or anything like that when the season's still ongoing, but anyone that you've particularly enjoyed watching or particularly surprised you this year? Well, player wise. Yep, player wise, yep. Well, the obvious answer is well, you know, everyone knows the answer, isn't it? If after after three, everybody one, two, three, you will have field. Yeah. Well, I'd I'd give them the player of the season award before the season had really got going, hadn't I? <laughs> I'd not seen anything to sort of sway my mind otherwise. To be honest, with you. I think he's and it's he's been head and shoulders above everybody else, hasn't he? And that that's that's it. Although now he says his uh, favourite player is Alan Smith, I'm slightly decided to change my mind, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's no question he's a great player. Yeah, very good season and part of a part of a really strong midfield in that last sort of half dozen dozen games as well. I think that's been probably the piece of the pitch that I've most enjoyed watching this year. I think that midfield three. I think the uh, really nice to be watching a team that strangles the opposition instead of in years gone by where it's been the other way around. You can't forget your man as well, obviously, Stu. No, no, I'm a, I'm a Donawa fan. I, can't, I, I, I am. Just, I don't know, I think it's the excitement, <laughs> isn't it? It's pure. 
Well, yeah, that pace when he gets that move when he gets going. Wow. Well, amongst others. Is he your player of the season, Stu? Just, just no, 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 no. That was uh, that wasn't the question I asked. It was uh, uh, <laughs> someone that you particularly enjoyed watching. I think is what I said. All right, okay. I agree with Will Hatfield. By the way, best best player of the season for sure. But uh, yeah, I've enjoyed. There's loads of players I've enjoyed watching this shirt. To be honest, it seems not right to uh, you know only name a couple of them. But there's right. you know I think the best thing I'd say is Alan's saying you know two or three two or three short for a good push next season, and it's nice to sit here and be agreeing with him. Because uh, I think I'd certainly like to see. I'd be happy if the bulk of the squad, um, you know, d- didn't change. To be honest, I think there's so much potential there, and I look forward to next season if that's the case. Well, yeah, the season's gone to plan, hasn't it? Uh, in the sense that it, the idea was it was um, he taken over. He walked in, into a bomb site last year, last May. He picked, you know, picked up after the shambles of the previous manager that he created. Alan's walked in and, and put some foundations in place, and it obviously takes it takes a, a while for a, a manager to to build a squad, really, to start from scratch. And, and so, in the first season, he's done that; he's put the foundations in, and then the second summer, he can build on that and uh, hopefully push on and do even better. That, that's the plan, and so far, so good. I think, I think now you can actually see a philosophy at the club, can't you? Whereas. The previous season, you, you couldn't work out what the fo- uh, what the philosophy was. You know what was the style of football. Um, you know, I, I I couldn't see it last season. Whereas this season, or the, you know, uh, the one in the round, you can see you can see what the plan is. You can see how they want to play. Um, like I say, last season, you, you just couldn't see it, and that was that was one of the most frustrating things last season. You couldn't see what the plan was on the pitch, unfortunately. Whereas this season, you can do. Yeah, good, good stuff. Any further thoughts for the order? It's very uh, difficult to do this as a socially distant podcast. Go on, Mike. I think one thing we should do, I suppose, speaking for all of us, is to, if there's any key workers or NHS workers listening, thank you very much. <laughs> that pretty much goes without Absolutely saying. Right. They're doing a brilliant thing at this Absolutely. scary thing at this moment in time. Even bus drivers, they deserve their gratitude as much as the rest of them. It's, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Bus drivers, you know, I don't know, there's uh, supermarket workers even, uh, care home workers particularly. Uh, there's so many, you're quite right to mention it. It's been strange in a way to f- almost forget about it for half an hour here, hasn't it? But uh, you're absolutely right to bring that up. Well, exactly. I don't know how many of our players actually ever. I know before in the old days, we used to have quite a few teachers. I don't know what our current squad has, but if they are, and all the fans are listening, yeah. Thank you to the key workers. Exactly. Yes, a few people in our squad will be teachers at the moment either way, won't they? So. <laughs> well, yes, <Yeah>. indeed. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm going to wrap it up on that note just by saying, as Mike quite rightly said there, thanks to all of the people involved with keeping people safe and to all of our listeners uh, as well who've listened to the podcast whilst they're locked down and perhaps haven't got too far to go. It was great to hear Dave Mills talk about the buddy scheme and the club actively reaching out to talk to people like that. And if uh, if listening to us waffle on for a little bit about football and listening to Alan and the two Daves through this podcast has somehow helped to pass a bit of an afternoon or a bit of an evening, then that's a job well done for us. So on behalf of me, thanks guys, as always, for joining us. Um, and, and maybe we'll see if we can knock a couple more of these out in the next few weeks to try and keep people occupied whilst uh, whilst there's not so much to do. Absolutely. Stay safe. <laughs>